Hey, everybody. My name is Rob Shear, and I'm the founder of a national nonprofit called Comfort Cases. I'm also an advocate for children in our foster care system, a public speaker, an author of a book, A Forever Family. But most importantly, I am the father of four amazing children. Hi, I'm Dana McKay, and I saw Rob on The Ellen Show, and when I realized his organization was based right here where I live, I knew I had to get involved. I'm also a social media consultant, a radio host, a podcast producer, and a mother of two children. See, our country's foster care system is shattered, and this podcast is about how we as a community can come together to bring about change, changing the system, and changing the lives of children in care. Welcome to the Fostering Change Podcast. Today we are talking to Carolyn Aronson. Carolyn is the CEO of It's a 10 Hair Care Products. She also has a very big heart for kids in foster care, kids in the system. She's been a huge supporter of Comfort Cases, and we're so happy to have her on today. Hi, Carolyn. Thank you for being on the podcast. Hi. Well, thank you for having me. And you forgot to add, I too am a foster child. So That's right. I was, That's the most important part. I, I love relate. Love that you 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 wear that that you're proud and that that I love that I was telling Dana about that earlier. You know, one of the things that that you know we've known each other now for several years, and your you your heart is bigger than anyone could ever imagine. And um, and I love the fact that you're first. Let's talk about your your company because I was talking to Dana and Dana's like, oh, by the way, you do know that that she uses her son uses and her daughter uses the your products. And I was like, wow, I was that's like, incredible. Yeah, we do actually. I love that it's, it's multi generational and you know not not uh, sexist. It's- Boys, right. <laughs> girls, men, whatever, right? Women, I love that. Yeah, well, my son is seven, and he has he kind of likes to keep his hair long, but it was always getting tangled, and his hairstylist said, you have to try this. It's, was the, it's a 10 hair care products, and so I bought it, and then I realized that my daughter had some in the shower that she had bought. So, yeah, now I use wow. it. Yeah, so <laughs> so we cool. love your stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and the shears, too. So the shears, you know, we, we are truly supporters, but I love how the, much you're a supporter within your community. I just recently read an article um, where you and your company have donated $5.4 million worth of care products um, for the pandemic. And hand lotion. (laughs) Because everyone's hands are very dry, especially our nurses, our doctors, um, obviously people on the front lines that are having to wash their hands more. But people don't realize you really need to wash your hair more as well during these times. They've actually said that the virus adheres to clothing and hair. So um, it's really, really important for people to, um, you know, anytime they've maybe been out in the public or um, which is, you know, hopefully we'll be a lot soon. We'll be back out to our normal lives. But you need to definitely um, keep all surfaces cleaner. So including hair, hands, everything. It's just amazing. I mean, the fact is, is that you, the number of people that we see, we see are stepping up during this pandemic. And, you know, it's something that you have done for many years. You know, we have a, we have a scholarship, um, that is actually because of you and your husband that we give to children who are aging out in foster care. And we can never, ever be more grateful that you all have been such a huge supporter of the scholarship. And that's something that I, I know about you that it, it's so important for kids who are aging out. Um, making sure they have the support. You know, I'd like to talk a little so bit important. about, I, I think it is, but I'd like to talk a little bit about your story because I, I've i been absolutely 
the luckiest guy to not only know you, but to have met your biological sister. And Mm -hmm. I know your sister, it's her story, and I can't wait to have her on. Um, We should do a podcast. Mm -hmm. We have both of them on. You would love it, Dana. Um, But if you don't mind, can we talk a little bit about your story and the path that you got to be where you are today? Sure. Um, So I actually was adopted at the age of two. I was in foster care from two weeks old to two years old. Um, I happen to have been adopted with a biological brother. We had been separated for those two years in different foster homes. And the wonderful adoptive family that um, gave us our forever family um, adopted us at age two, and he was about three and a half. Um, so they originally went to adopt a little girl and got a two-for-one package, literally like that day, said, all right, great, we'll take you into kind of a scenario once they found out there was um, another child out there. And um, so I was lucky enough to be raised with a biological sibling at the age of 26. I searched and I found my biological family. Um, and so through that process, it's a, it's a pretty long story, but it actually only took nine months for me to reunite about 150 people. I'm 11 of 12 children. Um, My biological mother never gave us up. We were literally ripped from the home one day, and she never saw us again and could do nothing, speaking a little English and having no money to really get us back. This was 1966. So um, we were all scattered. Uh, Each uh, Once we were reunited, we all got to share our stories with each other. And many of my siblings, for instance, um, I have some that opted out, never were adopted because um, we were ages pretty much newborn to age 11 at the time. And um, some were um, in foster care to the age of 18 and then basically thrown on the streets. Some were in foster, or in foster homes. Some actually got adopted. So they all have very, very different experiences and stories. Um, but, you know, there is some commonality, I think, to all of it. Um, thank God I, I don't have any siblings that ended up within the system, at least on a permanent basis, um, meaning the prison system or heavily addicted to drugs. Um, you know, we, we all have managed to move on in life, but I really feel quite fortunate to have had an amazing adoptive family that really, um, I think, um, helped me understand um, the, the power of education, the power of process, and between that, that they taught me, as well as my passion, my organic Puerto Rican top-bloodedness, <laughs> um, between the two, I think I've taken those two things and really um, found my purpose in life, which was I loved the beauty industry at eight years old. I proclaimed I was going to be a hairdresser. And now, 36 years later, still licensed until two states, still within the beauty industry, but 15 years ago, I started my own hair care brand um, that that has grown to be a worldwide brand. And as far as I'm concerned, I bought my partner out three years ago. I'm just beginning. So we're expanding into makeup. We're expanding into hair extensions. We're going worldwide at this point. Um, we've now created tools, um, blow dryers, brushes, things like that. So I'm, I really love what I do. And um, I had some, some great um, parents that I think really gave me a, an amazing foundation. So, um, you know, there, there is, um, absolutely hope and, and, um, and the ability for children that maybe, you know, I always say I was, 
I was born into one world, but I was plucked out of it and moved into another. And um, as an adoptive uh, adoptive person, I know the power of, of what an adoptive family can do for a child. So I'm a strong believer in supporting these, these children in foster care. So when you were in your 20s and all of a sudden you had that desire, what, what, what made you decide, you know what, um, I want to I want to find my biological family because I've talked to we Dana and I both we've had you know adopted um, other people on who have said you know I've had no desire to look I've you know what what was that that desire to to want to find your biological family You know I think I always I always kind of had the curiosity um, and you know, I had very uh, loving, supportive parents that were, you know, back in 1966 when when a when a blonde hair, blue eyed family adopts um, two little Puerto Rican kids, you know, black hair, black eyes. My brother actually used to get teased and called nigger in school, and he had an afro, and you know, I mean, it, we were obviously it wasn't like someone had to sit down and tell us we were adopted. It's, I cannot tell you how many times I'm asked that question, like, when did your parents tell you? You know, like this big revelation. It's like, are you joking? It was like having an arm or having a, it was just the way it was. We didn't have to sit down and have a deep conversation for them to let us know, you know, it was obvious. And, um, not only that, you know, my parents always told us we were chosen. So it was never, we were never meant to be, uh, felt like we were outcasts. We were, we were the chosen ones. If anything, they had two of their own biological children. So it was, you know, two and two. And um, my parents never made us feel like we were outcasts. Did we have some of our own internal feelings? Possibly, because we looked different. We were treated different within our areas we were raised in. It was very white. There was, I didn't even meet a Puerto Rican until I was in my 20s. So, um, you know, it, 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 I didn't know I was Puerto Rican until I was 26 when I found my birth family. So, you know, I think the curiosity was always there. My mother and I took some trips, and, and they happened to be in South America, and every time they spoke to us, they, the whole group, they would say in English and get to me and say in Spanish. And I would look at them and I don't know Spanish, you know. So my mom said, you know, we should find out what you are, because we knew I was Hispanic. We didn't know what to send. So that my parents actually helped me write to the hospital I was born at, to, um, to the adoption agency I was adopted through. And they didn't quite expect what I found, but um, but they actually were very supportive in me searching about my biological background. So, you know, I think that a lot of underlying curiosity would be diminished if we had some basic information. You know, the, the books were so sealed when I was adopted. You know, it doesn't hurt to say to someone, here's your medical background, here's your biological background. You know, um, so that is really what sparked it for me. Never expected to find um, what I found. I literally thought it was a pretty much typical situation where my mother was probably thinking she was doing best for me, you know, had to give me up for whatever reason. I did not expect to find he hasn't been literally ripped from my birth mother's arms um, when we we were taken away by the state. So, um, I, you know, it's 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 like a it's like a, a book or something it's, it's you know it's hard the, to believe it even happened yeah I, it's one of the things i talk about when you know i talk about the definition of neglect um and how everybody has such a such a different 
definition of neglect. And here I, I, I hear this story, you know, here it's back in 1966 and, and it's still happening in 2020 where a mother who is trying to do everything she possibly can to feed her children, put a roof over her children's head. She's, you know, and because we as a society don't think it's the right way that we should be thinking it's being done, that children are taken away. Do you have any type of resentment whatsoever from the, the system to that, that, you know, your mother was treated that way? Listen, I think, I think it's a horrible way for, for anyone, uh, to be treated. Um, do I have resentment? Um, you know, I personally don't. My experience was I, I happened to be adopted into a great family. You know, I got, I got the long end of the stick, that's for sure. Um, some of my siblings, I really feel got the, the short end of the stick. Um, could we have had a better life um, at the time that we were all taken away? I, I believe that there were reasons they felt that we needed to be taken away. Um, I think that her support system was zero. Um, and, you know, she, she was on welfare, but um, I just, you know, I think things definitely could have been done differently, and she could have had at least the opportunity to get us back she never had that opportunity yeah um so i find that i find that so happens so often is you know you just you made the comment where you said her support system she had none and i think that for, for so long and for so many reasons i don't know why but we have forgotten the reason why we have our communities and um you know, you're a good example of what I see who here's a leader who you step up. You know, we have a literally a pandemic that's going on in our country. And, and by the way, I know you, I know your husband, I know your family. You could, you could easily be sitting in your house with your door shut and not think about anything and you will be okay until this is over. But instead, you have stepped up and donated, you know, $5.4 million worth of products mm-hmm. um, to help this. This shows the type of yeah. parents who raised you, by the way. I want to tell you something. Yeah. This shows the mom and dad who raised you to have the heart yeah. that you have. Now, so true. I, I've been lucky to meet your one of your siblings. Um, and, you know, which, by the way, she's on the front line. Yeah, she is. She is. She's in the nursing facilities. She works in the nursing homes. So, um, you know, she's dealing with this um, head on. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's and, and she herself, you know, went through horrible things. Probably out of all my siblings, I think she went through some of the worst things um, as far as what happened to her once she was um, removed from from um, my mother's home. She actually was even living with an uncle at the time. So, um, I mean, it, it's, um, she has um, permanent trauma from what she went through and has, has worked very, very hard to, um, to curb her anxieties, to go through therapy, um, to, to do what she needs to do to really um, um, help the side effects um, and, and to live a normal life and and not only does she live a normal life, she is a caretaker of the elderly. So she devotes her life to helping others, and she's all about helping others. So, um, you know, it's it's amazing from somebody who was really so abused um, as a child 
turning around and taking her life experience and, and really doing the exact opposite with her life, um, and which is really, you know, her life is devoted to helping other people. So, you know, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm quite fortunate. A lot of my siblings, um, hey, listen, no one's perfect, but um, considering what some of them went through, they really, really have good souls, and that's, um, that's huge, you know? Yeah, I, I truly believe that it is, and, and I can't wait to have her on, and, and I've been fortunate enough to hear her tell her story, and um, it is, it's to, to see where she is today, um, I, oh my gosh, like I said, I love your sister yeah. to death. You know, I'm real, I'm real proud of her. I'm so, so proud of her. So, you know, one of the things that, that I I was really wondering is that day that you met your your biological mother and you got to hear the story of how you ended up in the system. I I mean, that, that has got to, for your, first of all, for her to be able to see all of her children. Did you all get together? We did. We had a family reunion in New Jersey and it's interesting because the very, very first sibling that I found was a biological brother that happened to live 15 minutes from me in Michigan. And he was ironically, this is what I'm saying, so many things are just so meant to be and so karmic in life. And I'm a strong believer in that. And that's why I do believe in, in, in doing very karmic acts and, and, and having business with a purpose and, you know, coming from a place of purpose always, never just to take from this earth, but really to give back and to make a difference in the world. Um, and I mean the entire world. You know, not just not just your community, not just your backyard, but really think big and try to really make huge footprints in changing how things are looked upon or how, you know, how, um, you know, something as simple as some people, you know, listen, people think, oh, so she gave shampoo. Do you understand that some people don't have shampoo? Yes, in America. I mean, I understand third world countries. I've traveled all over the world, but in our own backyard, people don't have simple things like hand lotion and shampoo and food. It's unacceptable as far as I'm concerned. But nevertheless, um, you know, this whole this whole kind of mindset is really, I think, what is so important to have. And um, the very first brother that I met, um, he sat down and told me the whole story the day we were taken because he was six years old. And it literally gave me goosebumps to hear because I hadn't even met half of my siblings at that point or actually most of them or my birth mother. So he was opening that door to teach me what it was, how we were living. He explained explained in detail the entire day that we were taken from the home. And it's honestly that that whole story alone is just mind-blowing to me. Um, and he, because the very first time I spoke to him, he said, you're the baby, you're the baby. And I'm like, yeah, I'm the youngest, right? I'm thinking, you know, I'm the youngest in the family. He said, no, you know, you were the baby that was in her arms that I saw be ripped away. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was a boy or a girl. He said, you were that baby. Wow. Gosh. And the fact that he was just six years old and he remembers every single he was, thing he remembers that happened. Everything. Everything, and that's it. When I met him, I think he was thirty-three, and he had he had um, he had already had two cadaver kidney transplants because he was dying and needed a kidney. And my sister Smirna, the one we're talking about, gave him one later that year. Oh my gosh! Because they were they were genetically twins. 
the University of Michigan um, actually did the transplant on them, and they said, you two are a year apart, but you're genetically twins. We've never seen anything like it. Oh. And he actually, she kept him alive another 25 years because she gave him that kidney. That's that's Myrna. That's, yep. that is, un- and she had never met him either. No. Oh. She had very, very faint memories, but not much, you know, of him, because she was, she was like four at the time, so. Oh my yeah, God. it's not wild. You know, so I, I mean, I had I had this. That was the first, the very first um, encounter I had with anything about my birth family, besides the caseworker, you know, writing me a letter about them. But yeah, that was the first. I mean, that that whole story he told me was mind blowing. I mean, he said her mother wore her hair pulled back in a ponytail and wore red lipstick every time, and that is a common thread that each and every single one of my siblings remember. Even Smyrna, she was four years old. She remembers, I remember mommy with the red lips. Wow. Gosh. You need to write a book. I'm telling you. You yeah. need to yeah, write a book. You need a, yeah. Not like that you don't have enough on your plate, by the way, but, <laughs> but you truly need to write a book. Yeah, Listen, someday I would, I would like to. It, 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 this story needs to be told because I, I truly believe in by telling stories telling our stories truly helps other people and you know i like i said i've i've been friends with you for years i thought i knew everything but there's things that i've heard today i didn't know and i'm telling you it's once again you are what i say all the time you're a good human you're such a good human, and I am Thank so you. so lucky to I don't call think you. There's my any friend. other way to be. No, <laughs> and I love, you are too. <laughs> oh well, listen. I love the fact that it's something I, I remember you saying to me a couple of years ago when we first met um, about the whole being having a purpose, having a purpose, making sure that you and and you you truly anyone who knows you knows that that's the way you live your life you truly live your life that way listen i i want to say from as the founder of foster uh, the founder of comfort cases here i i, I want to say thank you for all that you've done for our charity i mean you have always been that behind the scenes person who you're not a chess pounder. You're not, Hey, everybody, look at what I did. Look what I gave. And that's why when I ran across this article and I thought, Oh my gosh, you know, I, this is my friend. Um, I love that about you. I love how humble you are and that you, you give because you really truly want to give. And, and thank you so much for all that you've given to comfort cases. You know, we, you made the comment about people here in the United States who, who don't um, even have the ability to to get shampoo. And that's why, you know, in our cases, we put shampoo, lotion, and conditioner, and um, a bar of soap. Um, and because we know that very first night these children come into the system, um, they deserve to have their own. And, they you do. know, I tell people all that they, they say, well, the foster parents have that stuff. And I'm like, no, they need to have their own own um and right. so i just love you for all the donations that you give you know as we wrap this up you know we always ask all of our guests um one question um and it means a lot to me to hear the answers of that question so dana why don't you go ahead and take it away if you could change two things about the foster care system what would they be um the opting out aspect of it um i don't I don't think uh, that transition is done properly at all. Um, so I think that there should be a lot more educational programs for our teenagers um, to help them to to find their passion in life um, so that they continue on and become good young adults. 
Um, and I think the other the other part would be um, that there's not enough um, accessibility to get to know the children within our own country, within our foster care system. Um, I think we need a national platform that actually helps to connect children with forever families. Yes. And um, I also um, am a supporter of some foundations that are working on that platform. Also, they're using technology, same kind of technology that like eHarmony uses um, to connect, you know, dates. Um, the same type of, of technology should be connecting our children with forever families. Oh, I agree. And I think that, that that's another huge thing, huge thing because there's way too many children in the system. There's way too many people in this country that want children, but they go to other countries to get them and they're right in their own backyard. I think that's terrible. Yeah. I mean, I know who you're talking about. You're talking about our amazing friend, Ashley Brown, um, the self love foundation, um, who we actually promote all the time on our, our social media platforms. And, um, every, we, you know, Ashley is amazing. And I've, I had a call with her, I want to say a couple of weeks ago. And I actually had said to her, what she's doing in Florida needs to be done in every single state every single yeah. state. And I love the fact that not only does she support comfort cases, but we support her because that's what nonprofits should do. They should be lifting each other up. Um, but I, I agree a hundred percent with you. And one thing I have to say as we end this, we ask that question to um, every single guest and I have not once. And now I think you're like number guest 41. We've not had the same answer. Um, and I love that. I love the fact of what we're hearing. And I truly do believe that we as a, a nation um, need to lift these kids up and be able to, to spotlight how amazing they are um, so they can find a forever family. And, and that's so important. You know, I, I look at my, son Alex who I never thought I'd have a fifth child and um, you know (laughs) it's it's like you know I got a fifth child a senior in high school and I I said to Reese the other day I said you know um, I I think that we could probably see a sixth and seventh child in our family and he says you know he says Mm -hmm. if if I don't see us saying no to that so listen my friend I I love you thank you you. thank you please be safe give your husband and your kids my love and um let you and I definitely talk talk again soon and again yes we um, will thank you thank you for having me be safe thank you bye-bye take care bye-bye Dana and I would like to thank all of you for listening to the Fostering Change podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Make sure you follow Comfort Cases on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Comfort Cases. And check out the Fostering Change blog at ComfortCases.org. So everybody, we want to hear your stories. So reach out to us if you would like to be a guest on the podcast. You can find me on Facebook at Rob Shear, Instagram at Rob underscore Shear, and on Twitter at Rob Shear 6. And please share this podcast and leave us a review. Remember, we're all part of the same community. Your zip code, it's not your community, but it's our human race. Let's all make a difference.